You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Do have our favorite uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji. He's a popular for the reason that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him uh, the heart uh, to be on uh, uh, different platforms uh, purely to conscientize the ummah, purely to uh, make the ummah aware of what's happening. And if there is any, you know, ill health, the uh, doctor is there to give you good advice. And I can tell you this evening, whilst I was thinking about, uh, you know, about topics, and doctor was there to, you know, inform me and say, hey, Shafat, let's go with the topic, identifying family members that are in distress. You know, so many of them with uh, this uh, pandemic and the lockdown that we had around, uh, went through these emotions. Uh, so many of our kids uh, that are in uh, schools, uh, Darul Ulums, uh, universities and uh, technicons, uh, they're going through uh, different turmoils in them, uh, in their heads. And, you know, Dr. Farooq Hafidji is a family physician and Alhamdulillah, he is uh, all these different dimensions and uh, different types of ailments. He can just, you know, he's like an encyclopedia and thank Allah that we are tapping into an encyclopedia in the medical fields, our very own uh, Dr. Farooq Hafidji. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. With the listeners, uh, doctor, tell me how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, Alhamdulillah, everything is fine. We're having some really nice warm weather here in in uh, Durban. Uh, it's a time of the year uh, when the temperatures go very high and it's very, very humid. Uh, but we're actually paying for our winter, uh, where we have a very mild winter. So, alhamdulillah, we are very happy to go through this so that we can enjoy uh, a mild winter. And uh, by the way, I must tell you that all knowledge comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, we are just an agent that uh, delivers the message, but it's, all the knowledge comes from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and we must always say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin. I tell you, uh, brilliant indeed, and the Quran is uh, replete with that. Rabbi Zidni Ilma, oh Allah increase me in knowledge, and uh, the knowledge should be increased all the time, and it means your your dini knowledge, uh, you get your scientific knowledge, and all this knowledge, and once you harvest that, Alhamdulillah, you remember the Muslims were at the forefront of knowledge, and then they were the leaders of the world. You look at, uh, you know, algorithms, uh, and then you look at... Uh, you know, ruling the world, uh, looking at Spain for seven to eight hundred years, where it was a, a knowledge, where the universities, where the libraries, where, where the, all the scientists of the world came to imbibe knowledge from the Muslims. And, you know, how important it is for us to always, you know, upgrade our knowledge, uh, doctor. You hit on a very good plan, a point. You said, yes, all knowledge is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you need to put that effort in to harvest the knowledge, uh, doctor. Your thoughts? Well, just, just on that point uh, about uh, universities in, uh, in Spain, they were so famous in those days that people from all over the world came to Spain to study in the universities. And uh, when they graduated, uh, they all, when they came to Spain, they all adopted the garb of the Muslim, which was uh, the, the, uh, a, a jubba uh, and a hat. And so when they graduated, uh, they graduated with a jubba and a hat. Uh, and now, even up to now, all the graduation ceremonies all over the world, you have to wear a gown and you have to wear a hat. Although they have flattened the hat, it is still a hat that was worn by Muslims in Spain when the graduation ceremonies first started. So so even now, too, they, 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 are, they are putting on a jubba. They don't realize that they're putting on a jubba. They're putting on a jubba and they're putting on a hat, just like how the Muslims did in Spain. Beautiful, beautiful knowledge there coming through, Dr. Farooq Hafiji, what I told you. Yeah, 
you must tell, hey, alhamdulillah, I say, alhamdulillah, I got you. Yeah, Allah has given you to us on this platform. And I bless you for that, uh, doctor, looking at our topic. And what are some of the signs uh, that a person is uh, distressed? You know, you're going to look around and tell us, what are some of the signs, uh, doctor? I think uh, our, our, uh, our signs that we need to look for are in our own families first. And, and sometimes it's right in front of our eyes, and sometimes for, for reasons of past history in our family, things that went sour in the past, we may not get on with somebody in the family, whether it's uh, brothers or sisters, or whether it's nephews or nieces, whether it's aunties or whether it's uncles and, 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 and even first cousins. They're, you know, you, you, we must look around to see whether everyone is okay. And if somebody is not okay, uh, we need to try and sort that out. And very often what happens is that uh, people, when you ask them, is everything okay? And they'll say, yeah, everything is okay, but everything is not okay. Uh, because they don't want to show you that they're really having a problem. So I think uh, what needs to be done is that you need to work out, you need to look at your family, all of us. We need to look at our family members, wherever they are, and whatever they're doing. And whether they are okay financially, whether they've got food uh, at home, whether they, they've got any illnesses, somebody suffering from a chronic illness in the family. And of course, chronic illnesses can be quite draining on finances. It can be quite draining on, on the inconvenience of looking after a person who is disabled, uh, in the inconvenience of, uh, of uh, not being able to go out and doing, doing things that you normally would do, the inconvenience of a high cost of of uh, disability equipment that you need in the house. And, and of course, uh, the person needs like napkins and that kind of thing. Uh, and of course, the psychological effect of this uh, on the family as well. Uh, so we need to look at all this and, and say, you know what, uh, let's look at our family, each one of us. If each one of us does this, uh, we will get a very, very nice, well-run, well-oiled ummah. Uh, and, and, and what we need to do, we, we need to start you know, some people may give charities to to Syria and to to Yemen, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It's right. It's no problem because those those are Muslims. They are Muslim, our Muslim brothers and sisters. But you know, our our charity should begin from our own families, from from our immediate families, and and, and we should try and and we should send also to overseas and to all those people. But we should look after uh, our own. Uh, family members to to make sure that they are comfortable. Some of them are zakatable, and yet we are we are giving our zakat outside to other people rather than to our family members. Uh, you don't have to tell them it's zakat. Uh, you can give them zakat without them realizing that it's zakat. As long as you know that they are zakatable, and you will know after a while according to how they live and according to what they have in the house and according to uh, their their income, and you will know that uh, after after a while. Uh, you, you, and uh, you, you can judge whether they require it or not. Even if it's not zakat, uh, there's no reason why you can't give them uh, some help. Uh, so you know, there's just so many different ways, and we can go through that uh, shabbat uh, and to to ways in which we can help our family members. Absolutely brilliant, and I like the humanitarian uh, aspect in you and talking about. And you know, it's, it's so sad that human beings generally have uh, this. Uh, not all of us, but some of us have this uh, a very sadistic pleasure of you know seeing family members uh, suffer, and we're giving big, huge charities out of the family. And you know that family member is suffering because you bear a grudge against his father, or his mother, or some uh, some uh, other members of the family. And I like the way a doctor puts it in. There's a family history with the illness, so you need 
need to go into the roots. And that's why you do need a family a physician like Dr. Farooq Afiji to identify the problems. And, you know, also I was thinking about, uh, you know, some of the people that signs of this uh, distress was people pulling away from people, uh, low or no energy and having, a, you know, unexplained chest pains. Hey, doctor, I got a chest pain such as headaches or stomach aches and all this. And, you know, uh, do some people, you know, when they are uh, confronted by uh, these uh, stress situations, are they looking for attention when they say, hey, doctor, I've got a headache or I've got a stomach ache? What's your thoughts, sir, doc? Uh, yes, uh, psychology plays, plays a major part in illness and, and illness plays a major part in psychology as well. It works both ways. Uh, and... Uh, so, yes, uh, there are situations where uh, it's, it's, we call it psychosomatic pain, psychosomatic pain, which means that uh, the, uh, a part of your body will hurt you uh, because of uh, whatever reason that you may think. You may, you, may, uh, you, may be, you may be under stress, you may be under pressure, uh, you don't want to go to school so that you are now get a stomach pain. Uh, you don't want to go to work because you now got a chest pain because you don't want to go to work because the, board, the boss is very hard on you and he criticizes you all the time and he puts you down. So when the time comes to go to work, you start getting chest pain and you say, oh, you know, I've got chest pain, I can't go to work. So that's a psychosomatic type of pain that you get. And uh, are we, we, when... When, when we do have problems like that, uh, like a chest pain, uh, that is that is the last part of our diagnosis. Uh, we have to exclude disease. We have to exclude a problem. And once we've excluded the problem completely, thoroughly, and we are satisfied that this is not an organic pain, it's not pain coming from some organ or some disease, then we have to entertain the idea of psychosomatic pain, pain that is created by uh, by some stress in your in a person's life, or there may be attention seeking. Uh, they may, they may, because they, uh, they know that uh, if they say I've got chest pain, everybody rallies around them and they make them feel very nice and make them sit down, uh, have a cup of tea, uh, put your feet up, and then they, they pamper them. Uh, and so, because they want that, uh, they, they, they say every time they want it, they'll say, Okay, I got a chest pain. So, everybody, uh, you know, goes, uh, goes around them and tries to make them feel better. Uh, that's psychosomatic pain. But we, as physicians, we usually leave that diagnosis till the end, until we have excluded all possible causes uh, of pain, whatever it is, whether it's stomach pain or whether it's a headache or whether it's a chest pain. It doesn't matter. Uh, we, we usually, uh, but you're, you're right. The psychology plays a major part uh, in in in, uh, uh, in creating pain uh, as a discomfort. And of course, when you have pain also, uh, and you are in pain for, for for a long period of time. I'm talking about chronic pain. It does affect you psychologically. Uh, it can make you feel depressed. It can make you feel uh, like a failure. It can make you feel useless. It may, it, may, it, may, it may make you feel that you are a burden on people. Uh, and that can have its consequences as far as psychological illness is concerned. You know, Doc, whilst you're talking, I think about uh, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu being in the cave of Hira and, you know, suddenly he, confronted by the angel Jibreel alayhi salam and, you know, and he runs home and there he had a Khatija. Was he stressed, you know, and then she consoled him, she held him and she said, oh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa do not worry. You know, you're a good man and it's something good's going to happen to you. And, you know, in that uh, um, condition, 
she was there to console him. And how important is it to have a family member uh, that does that, you know, for any condition, especially, you know, when you look at the husband and wife relationship, if it's a, if it's a cordial one, it's a beautiful one, like uh, Khatija and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, it adds uh, to uh, even your mental state being uh, calmed down and anchored. But you have a toxic spouse and uh, vice versa. I mean, it, it really, it's, uh, you're, you're heading for the rocks, uh, doctor. Uh, yes, uh, you know we we, we have a uh, we have an in, inner feeling uh, of wanting to be pampered. All of us, uh, we have an inner feeling that people need to touch us, uh, people need to rub us, uh, and it doesn't mean everybody. It just means the people who are close to you. So, husband may want his wife to rub him, and the wife may want uh, uh, her husband to to rub her back, or rub her rub her arms, rub her, rub her, rub her legs, her feet. Uh, that kind of thing. So uh, we need to bear this, bear this in mind. And this is a, an, an, an innate feeling in us. It is a, it is, we are born with this feeling, with this nurturing feeling uh, that we need to be touched and we need to be uh, held and we need to be uh, comforted. Uh, so, uh, so when we, you know, when, when you have, say uh, you come home and your wife has got a backache, don't wait for her to ask you to rub her back. You offer it to her. You tell her, I will rub your back just before you go to sleep. I'll give you a nice, good rub on your back. Uh, and uh, without her asking. And, and that will make her feel so good. It will make, make her feel wanted. It will make her feel that you are appreciating her and, and the fact that you, are, you care for her. And the same applies the other way around. When the husband comes home and he's got a backache or he's got a leg pain. Uh, and the wife must say, look, I'll, I'll give you a rub. Uh, not the other way around. Not to say that uh, I'll only rub your back if you rub my back. Uh, I'll only rub your leg if you rub my leg. Now, that's being selfish. Uh, we shouldn't do that. That's, that's, that's saying that, you know what, I won't do it until you, unless you do it. That's not the way we should look at it. We should offer our help before people ask us for help. And that also applies to people that we are talking about where they have a disability in the family, where they have some problem, a uh, child or, or some uh, some. Uh, some uh, disability, some chronic illness. Uh, and, you know, if you ask them, can I help you? The chances are that they will tell you, uh, no, I don't need any help. I'm okay. But if you, if you look around and you see what they need without asking them, you ask, you check what they need. Maybe the wife is so busy looking after a 16-year-old disabled child, she's got no time to cook. So what you do is you make a pot of food and go and give it to her. And that she would really appreciate that you know, you know, words will not be enough to, to, to thank you uh, for what you did. Because if you asked her, can I cook something for you? She'll probably say no. But if you cook it and take it to her, she'll be very happy to, to accept it. And she will really uh, be, feel very good about, it, about you uh, as a person. So uh, not only will you get the sawab from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for helping somebody uh, in, in distress, uh, you will also get the love of the person uh, who you who you are you are you are helping, uh, and that this is a bond uh, that is uh, not easy to break. Uh, now coming back to uh, you know family members uh, uh, helping each other, uh, you know there's a bond that's created. It's a bond that's created that uh, that grows and fondness fondness and love that grows uh, between couples and between family members if we take care of each other. If we if your wife's head is sore. You rub her, rub her neck, rub her forehead, rub her neck, 
uh, gently, not like squeeze her until she all she all her breath is out of her. Uh, no, it's just a, a gentle rub in the back uh, and talking softly to her. Don't tell her your problems at that time. Don't tell her all, and don't bring up any controversial subjects at that time. Uh, this is a time when you need to uh, be gentle with her and, and, and try and get that headache away. I'll put some heat pack on it and help her with it. And, and she will be ever so grateful to you. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and you know, um, uh, that's, that's creating a real bond. And of course, it applies the other way around as well. If the husband has a problem, the wife should be doing this without even asking whether can I do it. You must do it. Uh, and uh, that will give the person a sense of belonging, a sense of love. And a sense and a sense of bonding. Yeah, doctor. Also, thinking aloud, you know, you find uh, people with chronic conditions, and sometimes uh, certain individuals come in front of them. So, oh, you know, please don't come near me. You bring up my conditions. You know, you bring up the pain and so forth. Uh, 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 is this fair on the individual when a chronic patient picks on individuals and tells them that you no, know, you are, you know, that uh, triggers of my conditions, uh, doctor? Some people use their chronic conditions to their advantage. Uh, they use it as a psychological weapon against you, uh, and these are and and you really you really don't know whether they've got the disability, whether they've got the pain or not. It may be a cry wolf situation where uh, they keep saying that uh, you know my back is very sore when the, when the back is actually not sore. All they want is your sympathy, uh, and then they want uh, your attention and they want something from you, uh, whether it's uh, your your caring, your love, or whether they want some monetary gain or something that they're looking for, uh, where they will keep telling you about this problem that they have. A person who has a chronic problem and who is not looking for attention and who is not uh, looking for any advantage from you will not mention it. They will not mention it until you ask them. Uh, only, they will only mention it if you ask them. And that's the way to make the difference. Um, so a person keeps complaining, you know that person's got a problem. That person is unhappy. There's some problem that, that, that's in that person's life which is making that person unhappy, and they're asking for help. It's a cry for help, but the cry that is sent out is a cry of the pain of that illness rather than the problem that's creating this thing here. So there, there may be another issue. Maybe she's not getting on with the husband. Maybe the husband is abusing her. So now she's using the pain as a way of trying to get your attention to try and help us sort that other problem out. But you won't know the other problem uh, un until you know the, the full story. So as uh, a person who keeps complaining like this in your family or in a, a, if it's a friend that's complaining like this all to you all the time, uh, don't fob them off. That person needs help. That person needs help because there's something in their life that's not right. So maybe you should sit them down, have a cup of tea with them and say, you know what? How's your life? What's happening at home? What's happening with your children? What's happening with your neighbors? What's happening with your own family, your father, your mother, your brothers and your sisters? What's happening? Is there some problem that, 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 that there is there? And let's try and put our heads together and try and work out uh, some solutions to those. In that way, you will really be helping this person try and uh, sort, sort themselves out. Uh, the person who is unhappy will always be complaining. And we need to now not look at them as somebody uh, who, who, who's a nuisance. We need to say to ourselves, there are family members, we need to say to ourselves, look, this person needs help. Let's sit down with this person and try and find out what's going on and let's see if we can help this person.
You know, Doc, uh, you make a lot of sense also. And But when you look at, uh, you know, society today, all are on their apps and, uh, you know, the the, the, the Jali system, the uh, whispering of shaitan is all over. And, uh, you know, many people, even, uh, you know, couples are spending time on these apps and, you, you know, maybe getting captured uh, by... Uh, the uh, devilish force uh, just uh, maybe innocently and then the marriage problems begin and you know you find uh, spouses fighting with each other looking for excuse how can i break up this marriage and doing that and in this way uh, they target each other by stressing each other out and uh, you know very unhealthy indeed how do we address an issue like this uh, doctor uh yes it's it's not an easy not an easy thing uh we need to have a lot of patience a lot of sabar but foremost in our mind should be the, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever we do, we need to do it for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever we do, we need to look at the, the bigger picture. We need to look at what's going on uh, as far as uh, uh, life is concerned uh, and not what is, uh, you know, the, the, the drama that happens in people's lives and the drama that happens around you. Uh, sometimes we need to sift all this drama out and say, what does Allah Ta'ala want me to do here? Because Allah Ta'ala will test you. Allah Ta'ala will test you. Remember, an illness, a chronic illness in a person is not a test for that person only. It is a test for the family member. It's a test for the brothers and sisters. It's a test for the, for the relatives of that person. It is a test for the community to see what the community is doing to that, for that person. It is a test for for teachers, for, for stars, for whatever it is, to see what are you doing uh, to try and improve the knowledge of this person who cannot get out of the house. Uh, it's a test for the whole, it, it's far and wide, more than we can ever understand. Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala in his wisdom just puts one thing and tests hundreds of people uh, with that one thing. Uh, and we need to bear this in mind. We need to say, look, you know what? Allah Ta'ala is, 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 is most probably testing me to see what I would do. And he's going to question me on the day of Qiyamah, what, what did I do about it? And, and so uh, we, need to be, we need to keep this foremost in our minds whenever we are confronted with any problem, any unsatisfactory situation, any, any person especially complaining all the time. Uh, and uh, you, know, you know, in, medical, in the medical field, uh, we have patients who come with a whole list of complaints. They come with about 10 problems. And of course, we only have about 10, 15 minutes with them, but they want us to solve all 10 problems. And each time they come, uh, they come with the same list of 10, 12 problems or different different list, but they will come with a big list and and you know, it's a, and, and uh, they talk most of the time with the result that they don't give you a chance to explain to them uh, what you think is happening and how you how you can help them. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, then the time is up, then they have to go. Uh, and then the problem doesn't get solved. So we call that a heart sink person. We call it a heart sink person because when they come into your room, your heart sinks. So in, this, in the same way, we have heart sink people around us all the time. <laughs> we have people that you say to yourself, oh my God, not this person again. Now I'm sure it happens to most of us again. <laughs> most of us say, oh my God, not this person again. This person will be complaining, complaining, complaining. All the time. But you know, that person needs help. That person really needs help. And, and we need to sit that person down and say, what's going on? There's something not right in your life. There's something not right. Let's work it out. Now, in, in, our, in our rooms, we, it's very difficult to do that because it's very time consuming. 
But as family members, we can certainly take the time out and say, look, you know what, let's try and work out what's going on here. Well, doctor, you're talking about heart sink. I can see that brother jumping under his table. <laughs> that guy's at the door again. <laughs> That's a heart sink moment. But as you said, you know, these people are calling out for help and we need to be more empathetic, more sympathetic. You know, doctor, you sound like a very, no, you are, I shouldn't say this. You are a, well, mashallah, a human being. And because I've got years and years of experience with you for that. And tell me, the longest that a patient, uh, I mean, what's your oldest patient, uh, doctor, that come in the... Uh, consult with you your oldest 95 wow so like am i at 97 actually 97 <laughs> okay allah akbar so uh, so you've been seeing them for how many oh, for a long time oh, yeah a long time 30 years yeah mashallah mashallah and uh, this is uh, even how, how long have you been uh, consulting on radio doctor uh, I started with the Marhum Duran Gangat uh, in 2001 when he used to call me uh, for, for medical problem, medical explanation of medical conditions, medical problems uh, on his morning radio program. Uh, and, uh, you know, he used to call me about, you know, we used to talk for about 10, 15 minutes. He wanted some explanation about what was going on. Uh, serious flu that was going on, or some some uh, medical conditions that's going on in the world, or some new equipment that came out, and he wanted the listeners to know about this new equipment. And that's how I started in 2001 uh, with uh, uh, Ibrahim, uh, Ibrahim Gangat uh, Rahimallah. Uh, and and so it went from there. And of course, uh, you know, and then I then I joined you uh, with your um, medical file. Doctors on air. Doctors on air. Uh, and then and then I took over Doctors on Air and on CII. <laughs> then I went to Medical File on Radio Lansar, and yeah, the rest is all history. I mean, at one stage I was doing three radio programs a week, uh, and that was quite. And I did that for about ten years. So, so I know that's, that's all due to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah Taala has given me the the, the health and and the knowledge to be able to impart to people and make their lives a bit easier. Alhamdulillah, I can tell you that, uh, Doctor, even our, uh, you know, station manager, Bilal Zikali, he, act, act, he actually adores you. And he says, hey, Chef, I really love uh, Dr. Farooq Akaji. And uh, so uh, do we all. Beautiful topic indeed, identifying uh, members uh, in uh, distress, family members in distress. And Alhamdulillah, that's why Doctor has given us uh, so much uh, food for thought. And uh, these are also spiritual and for your physicality and all that in your mental capacity to he's telling you lots of things uh, that you should take note of uh, looking at uh, some of the messages coming through uh, Noor Amasi says uh, assalamu alaikum shafat I like uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji and she wants to know I find a lot of family members uh, they go to a personality change and sometimes they get angry over small things and uh, very moody I don't know how to handle them is this a sign of them uh, being emotionally uh, distressed uh, Noor Masi is a very good observation there is that a sign of emotional distress, uh, doctor? Uh, yes, certainly it is. Uh, the person has got a problem, and uh, that's, that's what we call irritability. The person is irritable, uh, and a little thing triggers them off, uh, and they take off with you for no reason whatsoever, or for a very little little reason. Uh, it's blown out of proportion, uh, and uh, it's a very volatile situation to be living uh, around a person like this, uh, because uh, everything sets them off. Uh, so you, you you don't know where you are. You don't know what to say. Uh, 
you have to walk on eggshells around them. So, so you, you know, again, this person needs help because there is a problem. Either they're not sleeping well, they maybe maybe they are suffering from anxiety, maybe they're suffering from depression. Maybe yeah, in teenagers, it's very common in teenagers. Uh, uh, if you have a teenager in your house, uh, you'll find that they'll, from time to time, they'll become very irritable. It's because they're going through an identity crisis. Remember, they're changing from a child into an adult. Uh, and so we don't realize the changes that take place physically in the body and psychologically in the mind. Uh, the, the thinking changes as well. Uh, they're going from a childhood think, child thinking to an adult thinking. They're going from a child body to an adult body. They look at all the funny things that are happening in their body, and they're not sure whether it's going to be normal or not normal. Uh, they don't know whether it's supposed to be like that or not supposed to be like that. They feel embarrassed about asking whether, you know, this is what I, this is what I notice on me. Is it, is it normal or is it not normal? They feel stupid. Like they feel that, uh, you know, people laugh at them if they ask you those, if you ask those questions. So they live with this thing here. They internalize it. And it comes out in the form of aggression. It comes out in the form of, of uh, uh, irritability, where they tell you off and uh, they stomp away. Uh, they don't talk. They sit in the room most of the time. Uh, and uh, so they need help, actually. They need somebody. That's why you need to have a very close bond with your children growing up. You mustn't do everything for them. Do, do not do everything for your children. children. Let them go through some pain. Because when they are adults, they won't want to go through pain. They won't know how to go through pain. And, and, and so uh, everything is sorted out for them by you. So when they're adults, who's going to sort their problems out? You are not going to be there. So rather let them go through some pain, let them go through some independent decision-making. Uh, and uh, in that way, they can grow, they can transform from a child to an adult. Now, other members in the family, older, older people may also feel irritable, and usually this is due to a psychological problem. Either they are suffering from anxiety, or they're suffering from depression, or it may be a more serious mental illness. And this person needs help. So you need to you know, you need to pin them down and say, look, you know what, let's try and find out where to go. Uh, you can go to a social worker initially, you can go to a psychologist. Uh, and, or the better thing to do would be to start with your, with your general practitioner and say, you know what, this is what's happening. Try and help us, try and guide us as to where to go uh, from here, you know, so that we can, we can get some help. And if you can't afford it, because psychological treatment is very expensive, um, psychiatrists and psychologists charge a, a lot of money because they spend a lot of time, and and it's a it's a it's a head banging thing for them. Uh, they have to in, they have to take in all this all everybody's problems through the day and go home with it. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's something that uh, we need to think about. But if 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 you can't afford private treatment, there are many many places where the treatment is free, and uh, Islamic Medical Association also has social workers uh, in Cape Town, Johannesburg, Durban, and they will help you free of charge and they will direct you to people uh, who will help you free of charge uh, if you don't have enough money uh, to, 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 uh, to sort the problem out. But the main thing is don't leave it. If you leave it, it just gets worse. Tackle it early so that you can sort the problem out. And, uh, and you know, in, in the case of a teenager, uh, they will be so thankful to you if you just sit down and sort their problem out. It is very difficult for them to talk to you because they don't know what to say and they don't know how to say it because they are not adults yet, they are in between.
So by by you going and saying, look, I don't want to know what your problem is. Let you go and discuss it with somebody else and 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 uh, open the channels out. Sometimes it's the Molana as well. And Molana can also help. But 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 you know, this Molana needs to be trained uh, in in counseling. A lot of Molanas don't know how to counsel, and they can be quite abrupt. And uh, you know, you get from time different types of Molanas who, who specialize in different things. So you need to find a Molana that is is calm and and, uh, and one who understands and a, and a Molana that listens and does is not judgmental. Uh, that's the main thing. That last one is very important. They must not judge the person because uh, you don't know what the background of that person is. And judging a person before coming to a, coming to conclusions very quickly about a person uh, is not good for uh, for the for the person you're trying to help. No, doctor, you talk about people uh, that have emotional uh, distress, and uh, are they uh, you know more susceptible to risky behavior? And uh, God forbid if that's uh, the case, what are some of the risky behavior that they can be uh, you know uh, that they can succumb to, doctor? One of the commonest ones in young people uh, who have this problem and who are, and whose problem are, problems are not attended to is uh, is drugs is drug taking. Uh, it's very easy for them to get hold of drugs, and in fact, in their friend in their fam in their circle of friends, somebody would be taking some drugs. And when they see them agitated and anxious and uneasy and irritable, they will offer them the drug. And uh, and once they take the drug once and feel how nice they see how nice they feel after that, and when the uh, irritability goes away, the anxiety goes away, uh, they feel much better. They go on a high, uh, and, and that's how they want to be. That's now we need to create that high in them without the drugs, and and and, and it can be done. It can be done uh, by counseling and by finding out what their thought processes are and trying to help them. But if you don't do that. Uh, it's a road to disaster because these are prime suspects, prime suspects to go on to drugs. Uh, and that's what we are finding more and more these days. That's why one of the one of the reasons why there are many other reasons. One of the reasons why young people now are so hooked on drugs is because they don't have a way uh, in which um, their, their problems are being solved. Google can't help them. They, they think Google can, can sort all problems out. And they go on to Google with the slightest of thing. Anything they want to know, they go on to Google. But Google can't help them with this problem. Uh, it needs a human touch. It needs somebody who understands you. It needs somebody who cares for you. It needs somebody who loves you and a nurturing person. You know, Google is not all that. Uh, Google is just gives you facts and it gives you some frightening facts, uh, which makes you more scared and more anxious and more uh, more irritable. So. You, so we need to, as a family, we need to look at these situations in our family and try and, uh, you know, try and, try and talk to that person. Uh, what, what, what we suggest normally is that uh, uh, we ask uh, the family members, uh, ask, tell the mother, you know, you need to sit and talk to your son. And the mother will say, he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't want me to talk to him. And uh, you ask the father, so father, yeah, he doesn't want to talk to you. He, he just said, uh, the moment I start talking to him, it's like a wall. He does not listen. Uh, so what you need to do in that situation is you need to ask them, whom does this person respect in the family? Whom does he have a respect for? There must be somebody in the family that this person gets on with, that the person uh, likes, 
and the person can uh, can relate to. You find that person, then you may you talk to that person to to find to find out what is going on with your son or your daughter, and that must be a confidential thing. That's very very important. That person that you have chosen to talk to your son or daughter must not tell you all all must not give you all the information that your son and daughter is giving them. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You have to bear the confidentiality, and you have to just wait until uh, until things come right. And it, sometimes it takes a little while to do that. So, uh, so this irritability, uh, uneasiness, restlessness, uh, you know, is there's usually a, a problem. Usually, some uh, some problem that's creating the trouble. Yeah, Doc, you know, you find uh, most of the kids of today or even the, the young people of today are very opinionated and they tell you, you know, oh, no, you don't know this, you don't know that. And, you know, uh, sometimes very curt with their parents and it's the parents that paid for the education uh, that nurtured them and done, uh, done everything for them. But uh, this uh, being so opinionated and even uh, even trying to interpret the dean for the uh, for the parents. Also, you you know you come from that age and you were misled all this time and so forth and so forth. This culture is becoming so dangerous. Uh, I've been mean, also told that you know we, we cannot leave our children alone when uh, when even they go to these uh, institutions. Uh, there should be someone there monitoring them all the time. Your thoughts, uh, Doctor, and uh, who is the someone that we can put there that can monitor these kids and uh, save them from uh, being engulfed by uh, Jahilia mode, uh, Doctor? Yeah, I think what 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 depends on the age of the child, and I think we need to separate them according to the age of the child. Uh, you know, you can't keep them away from smartphones because sooner or later they're going to get a hold of a smartphone, and uh, and then they'll go berserk uh, because they'll see the wonders of the smart smartphone. And they will spend hours and hours and hours on it. So you do have to. You have to because it's technology uh, that is making our life a bit more comfortable. Uh, it's also a technology that's confusing us. Uh, it's also a, a, a technology that's consuming our time. Uh, it's, a, it's a technology that's making us uh, uh, talk about other people, which we should not. We should not be doing. Uh, so, so we need to look at the, the good part of the technology. Uh, and take the take the take the good part of the technology and use it. So with, with children, uh, what we find works is that you need to have control over the phone. You need to give them a phone because they need to know how to use the phone, uh, and they need to use they need to know where to go and where not to go. You have to be very clear with them about that, and uh, and you you need to you need to stop all these pop up ads. Get somebody who knows about how to set up a smartphone uh, to, to disable all these pop-ups and disable all the, uh, the unwanted uh, uh, websites that come onto the screen. Uh, and that can be done quite easily by a person who knows about, about smartphones. So you just don't give the child the phone. You, you, you doctor the phone, if I can use that word. You, you, but they don't know. Don't tell them you're doing that. Uh, you just do it without them knowing that you're doing it. Uh, just block out some of the websites and block out some of the uh, pop-ups, as, as I say, because the pop-ups are the ones that tempt you to go into that website. So uh, this can be easily done on on a smartphone. So what you do is you 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 then got the smartphone uh, which is cleansed, if you can use that word, uh, and and now you they can now communicate with their friends uh, on WhatsApp, and uh, and and you need to have some control over what they who you who they're talking to. 
uh, and what they're talking about. Uh, maybe if, if you find after a while that they are innocent, they're talking just a normal children's talk, uh, you can let it, let it go for a while and every now and then uh, monitor it, uh, but not on a regular basis. So you give them some independence uh, because then they, they, they know that uh, you can trust them. Uh, so, and, and, and time, give them the phone for a certain time, maybe an hour a day, uh, maybe two hours a day, depending on the age of the child, maybe an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. Uh, but don't take the phone away from the rest of, for the rest of the day, because it's the time that they spend on the phone that creates the problem. Uh, now, if you leave the child with the phone overnight, you got problems. You really, really do have problems because you really don't know what the child is doing at night. Uh, and, and, and if you've got Wi-Fi and that phone is connected to Wi-Fi, that child could be visiting all kinds of uh, internet sites and all kinds of uh, lewd things uh, without you realizing that that's what's happening. So that phone should be taken away from them at night uh, and put away and give them the phone again in the morning. And if you control things until they're old enough, until they are responsible enough to take charge of their own lives and the charge, take charge of their own phones, yeah, then... You, then you can give them the phone and allow them to uh, uh, to 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 uh, to do what they want to do in a responsible way. Jazakallah for that, uh, Doctor. Looking at a message from uh, Asif, he says, "Assalamu alaikum, Chef and uh, Doctor Faru Kafiji. I listen to all your programs and I already enjoy it. And you and Doctor Faru Kafiji are genuine and wholesome. Just listen to you all this uh, evening, and it's so smooth and flowing. Uh, Jazakallah khair for that. And he says, uh, "How do we identify uh, students' uh, distress, uh, uh, stressing or distressing, uh, Doctor? How do you identify?" students when they are distressing? Uh, yes, uh, there are a few ways in which you can work out. Again, uh, it's, a, it's a disaster waiting to happen because if they are introduced to drugs, uh, they, will, they will go for it. So what you need to, there are some signs that you need to look for. And one of the signs would be that uh, they would uh, want to spend less time with you. Uh, they will spend more time on their own. Uh, or they, must, they may want to spend more time with their friends rather than with you. Uh, especially if they're going out to meet their friends, you've got a problem because that's not supposed to be. They're supposed to be at home and they only need to see their friends on, in an organized sort of way uh, where they can spend half an hour, one hour with their friends unless they're playing something like soccer where you know they're playing soccer or cricket or whatever it is uh, in their spare time. But uh, so, so one of the signs is that they will withdraw from you. And and uh, when they start withdrawing from you, you need to know what are they doing during the time that they withdraw from you. Uh, because there may be reasons why they are withdrawing from you, maybe psychological reasons, maybe some uh, something, uh, some uh, family member is creating a problem for them, uh, or, they, they are, or they are blaming you un, uh, unfairly for something that has happened. Uh, that's one of the signs. The other sign is that uh, the person, the, the child will be irritable, will be uh, anxious, uneasy, restless, uh, and they'll tell you, I, "I don't feel well." They they can't. They may not be able to explain to you what they mean by that. They may just say, "I just, I just don't feel good. I just feel don't feel well." It's a very general type of thing, you know, uh, that uh, that they will be saying. But the, the the thing the thing that will be bothering them would be this uneasiness, this un settledness and usually it's some anxiety about something that is happening in their life uh, remember children don't think like adults children think 
in a, in a worst possible way. If the father and mother are having an argument, the child often feels that they are responsible for it. And they will take the blame. And they will, they will feel miserable because they think that they are the reason why mom and dad are shouting at each other. Uh, so th that's how they think. They don't say, oh, they have, uh, mom and dad are having their own problem. They've got their own issue. I'm not going to interfere. That's an adult way of looking at it. But children don't look at it that way. So, uh, so we need to, if, if the, person, the child is suffering from anxiety and it's a terrible thing, it's a very bad thing for the child to be suffering from something that they don't know, they can't understand, an uneasiness, restlessness, there is a problem. There's a problem somewhere in a relationship with the teacher, with their fellow pupils, the child may be bullied in school, may not be physically bullied, but maybe psychologically bullied or, or verbally bullied. Uh, you need to go into it and find out what's what is actually happening uh, to the child. Why is this? Why is this? Why is this child suffering from anxiety? Uh, and uh, just make some inquiries outside from the child. Uh, talk to the child's friends and say what's going on in school. You know what's happening in school, uh, and find out from the teacher what's happening uh, in class and whether the child is doing well in school or not. So that brings us to the third one, and the third one would be that the child's uh, academic work will suffer. Whether they're going to madrasa, they're going to school, uh, you find that they will not perform as good as they can. Uh, they, they're not up to their full potential. Uh, so, they, so the marks will start declining, and you know that there's a problem. Uh, there's something is not right, uh, either uh, with the way they're thinking or whether their environment is not right, uh, or whether they're scared of something, uh, whether they are, uh, uh, whether the workload is too much for them, uh, whether they have an understanding problem, uh, they, may, they may not be able to understand what the teacher is saying, and then they, they feel that they are going back and back and back, and how are they going to catch up with the work? Uh, because they can't understand. Remember, understanding is, a, is, a, is, is different in different people. Uh, some children understand very quickly, others take a long time to understand. Some, some children have a learning disability where they have a problem learning. Uh, so we usually compare our children with other children and say, look, so-and-so uh, is doing so well. He's your same age. He's 12 years old and look at him. He, 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 he comes out first in the class and he's so popular and, and look at you. You're so flat and you, you know, you, you, you're not doing well in school and you, know, you, you make the child feel worse. You really make the child feel worse because you're comparing Somebody that's, that's, that's Allah Ta'ala has endowed with, uh, with a lot of potential, with a lot of uh, 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 ability to understand. And, and uh, this child may be a slow learner, uh, may be a, 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 may, may, may be having difficulty understanding. So you, we need to take that into account. We all, we all want our children to be the best. We all want our children to, to do the best. Uh, but, you know, Allah Ta'ala does give us children who have learning disabilities, who are slow, and uh, we need to pick this out very early in life and try and put them into the right channel, in the right class, in the right atmosphere, in the right environment uh, for them to come out with the, with the, with the maximum potential that they can, uh, uh, they can achieve. Beautiful, Doctor. Beautiful indeed. And I really pleasure listening to you. And uh, then you get that. I don't know if you experience this. So, you know, you're sitting in a conversation and you're talking to an individual and suddenly they just turn their head away. You know, like to cut you off. And uh, when you they start talking to you, they don't know what they're talking about. They lose the train of pattern of what they're saying. Uh, they can't hold the conversation. Neither can they listen to a conversation. What do you do in that in the instance, Doctor? Because it's obnoxious. 
it's rude. And, you know, at some time you don't know how to address this issue because you'll find that same individual may do that over and over again. Uh, your take? Uh, yes, body language plays a very great part in our communication. Uh, and that's one of, the, one of the things that we need to look at uh, because the body language tells you what's in the heart. Uh, they may, the words may come out of the mouth, which may be different, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, may not, uh, it may not say, the words may not say what is in their heart, but their body language will tell you what's in their heart. So uh, if they turn their head away like that, they, in their heart, they're thinking that you are, you, you are uh, you're talking nonsense, that you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, I don't want to listen to this person. That's why they turn their head away. Mm. Uh, so... So, you know, you, 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 you know, it's not your problem. That's the first thing that you need to tell yourself. This is not your problem. It is their problem. Uh, so that, that immediately makes you feel a bit better because you, you know that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. The problem is, is something wrong with them. That's why they are behaving like this. So uh, you, you just carry on in the, in the way you're doing. And if you feel that you are annoying them, uh, and this happens on an ongoing basis, uh, the best thing to do is to have minimal contact with them, especially if they are relatives of ours. Uh, in relatives, we need to keep in contact with them. We need to bring family members together rather than separate them. We need to always keep that in mind, uh, keep our family units together. Uh, but uh, So if it's a family member, you make minimal contact with that person if it's, and, and don't say very much uh, during the encounter with them. Just keep quiet, let them do the talking, let them show how good they are. It's okay, no problem, because remember, it's not your problem, it's their problem. Uh, so you just allow them that, give them the rope uh, to do what they want to do and say minimal things in front of them. Uh, and uh, if, it's, uh, if it's not your family member, if it's an outsider, avoid them and try and keep away from them. And if you do, have, if you do come into contact with them, uh, you know what, they, what they're thinking about you. Uh, so rather not say anything in front of them, rather keep quiet unless somebody asks you your opinion uh, in the group and you, you can tell them your opinion and they just keep quiet. Uh, don't go on and on and on telling, telling them about this story and that story and how good you are in front of that person <laughs> who's, uh, who's, who's, trying to, who, who's making you feel that you're not good enough. Mm, I tell you, you know what? You can really, you really can hold an audience. <laughs> you can hold an audience and if they, they will listen to you. No one will turn their head away. And I, I, you know why I haven't? I was so, uh, you know, focused and enthralled by you. You know, there's this uh, flight or fight uh, option you got. Fight or flight. And people are distressed. They shouldn't go on a flight mode. They should fight it. Talk to us about that, doctor, before we close up uh, this evening. Yeah, this is, an, you know, this is something that Allah Ta'ala has put into us. Uh, that, uh, that, that is for our protection. Uh, it's, it's for our protection. It's, it's a surge of hormones that come into us. Uh, during a time when we think we are under uh, under some kind of uh, danger, uh, so uh, you know it's like uh, the worst case scenario: you're walking on the road and suddenly a lion comes in front of you. And that you can, you can imagine the feeling that you get: uh, you freeze up and you want to. You, you, your heart will start pounding. You start perspiring, uh, and you, your legs will start going weak, and uh, you 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 want to run away from there. And even if it's a, a two-meter fence, you want to climb that fence and go over it. And, and sometimes people do that because the adrenaline that is 
pumped into your bloodstream, will make your heart go fast, will, make, will do all those things to you, and it will give you extra power in your muscles to do things uh, which you are not able to do uh, under normal circumstances. That's a flight mode. That's a fright and fright. Mm. That's, that, so you get a fright and you fright. You run away from there. Uh, so, but the, the problem is that uh, uh, th this, is, uh, this is our normal innate uh, ability to escape danger that Allah Ta'ala has put into our bodies. But sometimes what happens is that this goes out of control a little bit. Uh, and together with anxiety, uh, and uh, this is becoming so common these days, it is really, really common in the millennials, that is, those people who are born after 1984, they are called the millennials. It is such a common problem. 60 to 70% of them are suffering from anxiety, and nobody knows why. It's trying to figure out what's causing the problem. Uh, that, that, that's, that these, uh, these kids, these young adults, are, are suffering from an, an inability uh, to understand that they are good enough for themselves. Uh, some of them feel that they are not good enough for themselves, and it creates a lot of anxiety. But Worse anxiety, worse anxiety will be what we call a panic attack. A panic attack is a fright and flight response without any danger. There's no danger around you, but you go through the same emotions and you go through the same symptoms as if a lion is in front of you without the lion being there. So that's a panic attack. So uh, the person goes through the same thing. Their heart goes pounding. They start getting a headache, they start feeling weak in the legs, uh, they start perspiring, and they want to run. They want to run and escape somewhere. Uh, but there's no danger around them. Uh, and this is brought on by your own mind, uh, by something that happened to you, uh, which created an unpleasant situation, uh, which created the anxiety in the first place. And of course, when the anxiety goes out of control, you start getting panic attacks. And when you start getting panic attacks, you really need help. So you need to go to a doctor and try and get some help from the doctor uh, in the form of some psychological help, uh, some understanding, uh, maybe some medication for short-term use, 10 days or 14 days of medication just to get you under, under, under control. Uh, and uh, the main thing is to talk you out of this anxiety that's creating the problem. And sometimes uh, this can go on for long periods and you may need medication for six to 12 months to try and get that anxiety down. Doctor, you know, whilst you're talking about thinking about that fight and uh, flight and fright mode, an uh, anecdote came to mind. You know, it, it says uh, sometimes it concerns us more to flee from ourselves than a lion. Yeah, with all those thoughts, all those emotions and what you want to do, what you don't want to do. Hey, yeah, the things that the man is made of. Doctor, you were mashallah this evening. I really enjoyed you. Your parting words before I let you go. No, I think we need to be helpful to each other. And I think we need to start with our families and we look around to see which family member needs help in whichever way. It may not be monetary. It may just be support. It may just be listening to the person. It may be just taking the person out for a drive. It may be just taking the person out for a walk. Simple things. You need to look around to see what distress any of your family members are having. Forget the past. Forget the ill feelings that were created by by your elders or by, by your brothers and sisters or by where you are not involved, uh, you know nothing about the past history and yet your families are separated, uh, but somebody needs help in your family. Start with your family and try and get your family right. 
help them uh, without them even asking for help, try and help them to get them on their feet again. Doctor, you're a beautiful man, a beautiful person, and a beautiful doctor. You have a blessed evening ahead. Inshallah, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for the Isha Zan, and inshallah, we will continue after that.